Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Walter Johnson. Walter is the CEO of Acme United Corp. And for those not familiar with Acme, um, Walter, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. Acme United is um, one of the largest suppliers of first aid and safety supplies in um, the United States. Uh, we recently acquired a, uh, a company in Canada to expand our reach there in first aid. And we also are one of the leaders in uh, cutting um, uh, supplies and, and products. We're the biggest scissor maker in the world. We have uh, the Camillus Knife Company, which is the oldest knife company in North America. And then other items that cut, for example, paper trimmers and pencil sharpeners and box openers. All of these we um, put proprietary coatings to either enhance either their hardness or the um, non-stick properties of the blades. We um, are about $143 million in sales. We've given um, guidance of uh, a record year in 2019, which if that um, is fulfilled, would mean that it would be the ninth record year in sales in a row. Um, we pay a dividend. We generate um, strong cash flow. During the past uh, year, we've generated over $10 million of free cash flow, and uh, we use those for acquisitions. Um, as nice. we're looking into 2020, we're very excited about the prospects for both organic growth as well as um, um, other um, acquisitions. Walter, um, I know it's a little difficult because you have a lot of products, but in terms of the competitive landscape, uh, I know you're number one in, 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 in one of the areas, but where do you fit in and, and how big are, are the competitors? So in the um, first aid and safety market, it's a very broad market. We're doing a lot of industrial safety um, and that means uh, our products are being sold into large corporations, the oil and gas industry, into the shipping industry, um, into refining. Um, we're also in the um, office channel through um, uh, large office supply superstores, as well as the, um, the online business, um, which is growing rapidly for us. Um, our first aid business ranks number two, we believe, in the United States, um, and Cintas is by far a, a larger competitor. Um, in the scissor area, we're the largest scissor in the world, scissor manufacturer. Um, and um, in North America, we dominate the uh, office channel. We dominate um, uh, in a large way the industrial market, and we have a very good presence in school cutting tools and um, in the uh, craft area. And, and what are some of your brands that, that we'll know you under? You would know uh, First Aid Only, um, which is um, the uh, First Aid brand. Also, Pack Kit First Aid and Physicians Care First Aid, Spill Magic. Uh, cleanup material. Um, Westcott Scissors are the leading scissor brand, we believe, globally. Uh, and there are other ones. Uh, Klaus uh, Scissors is a, is a big one. We have the Camillus Knife brand, the uh, Cuda Fishing Tools brand, and the DMT Sharpening Tools. Okay. And then these are, are products that have been around a, a long time. Uh, is this market stagnant or is it growing? The um, first aid and safety market is growing as there's continued um, attention to the safety of employees um, and their health and well-being. And, of course, the regulations in the first aid and safety area continue to encourage uh, end users to provide a safer and safer work environment. In the cutting area, well, there's a lot of boxes that come in every day um, from FedEx, UPS, Amazon, everywhere. 
and you have to open them. So the, the scissor business in general is a uh, healthy business. Um, we um, also have industrial cutting tools, which depend on the economy, but right now are very strong. Um, one small part of our business relates to uh, rulers and um, uh, pencil sharpeners, and those are gradually declining as the use of paper um, becomes lower. Okay. Is there any one product area or product that, that stands out as the bigger percentage of revenue? Well, the, um, the first aid business stands out and the refills for the first aid kits, um, which are growing faster and are now more important to us than the actual sale of first aid kits. Because as you can imagine, as you get these installed in um, industrial sites, as the products are consumed or um, expire, refills are purchased. So you put a first aid kit in this year, you're selling the refills, you're selling the refills from the prior year, and frankly, as you're selling um, new first aid boxes, um, you're getting the refill sales during the year. So as that base has continued to grow, the uh, refill business has become more significant and growing faster than the uh, the actual um, placement of first aid kits. In the, nice. um, uh, the Westcott scissor business, it's a very healthy business for us, and we um, have coatings which enhance the hardness of the blades, uh, titanium nitride coatings, titanium uh, carbonitride coatings, um, proprietary uh, non-stick coatings and anti-rust coatings, all of which enhance both the margins as well as the uh, utility for the end user. And then who are your customers, at, at least generically, and, and how are you reaching them? What channels are, are you going through? We sell almost every major um, retailer in the office space, in the uh, craft space, in the um, uh, school market. Um, we sell most major distributors um, in the industrial market. Um, and so pretty much everywhere you go, you'll find our products. Online, um, which is now 11% of our sales and growing, um, the ones we track are Amazon and uh, Walmart.com, and of course there are many others, but um, they are um, an increasingly important part of our business and one that we devote a lot of resources to. Now, now are you just selling these in the U.S.? No. We have operations in Canada, um, in uh, Germany, um, Hong Kong, and China. And we sell from each of those locations um, within those countries as well as the ones around them. So, for example, uh, later this week I'll be at our German operation, and we've got a very strong online presence throughout um, Western Europe. Uh, we've also got most or many of the large retailers, uh, whether those are superstores or those are um, uh, the, the large mass market chains or the specialized uh, distributors, um, we cover a large portion of those in, in Europe, and they're growing. Um, and, yeah. and how big a market is your total addressable market, and have you pretty much penetrated most of it? We estimate in the first aid market that um, we've got, at, with the current product family, which we could expand, about a billion dollars of addressable market, and we're 70 million of that in uh, first aid. With the, um, the scissor market, we estimate that um, in the global market, it's about $2 billion, and we are about $50 billion of that. So there's a lot of room to be growing. But how that gets broken down into segments and geographies, there are certain areas that, uh, frankly, we probably won't be uh, penetrating because we don't have the support for it. But there's plenty of room to grow. 
And, and so what is your, your growth strategy? I see you made an acquisition. Is that are more on the horizon, or, or what's the strategy here? So we've made 11 acquisitions over the past um, 10 years, and they tend to be either within our competitive landscape or they're a half step away, and we bring either technology or distribution to the products. So, for example, the, uh, the, the First Aid Central um, acquisition that we made in Canada uh, two weeks ago um, expands our um, capabilities to distribute in Canada, um, both for the global customers that we have as well as the local customers in Canada that we have. Um, it gives us um, new products um, to be able to sell um, throughout our global network, and they've got a strong online presence. That's a pretty typical acquisition for us. Um, we know something about the market. We know a lot about the products. We know the customers, and then it's an execution. Um, as you can imagine, there's probably other um, acquisitions like that, both in Canada and the U.S., and, and we're looking at them. The, okay. um, the acquisition of DMT several years ago was in the sharpening area with diamond-based uh, sharpeners. It's a U.S. manufacturer outside of Boston. Um, and what we've done with those products is we've uh, expanded distribution into Europe and into Asia, um, taken the technology and brought new products to market, um, and we're growing it. Uh, and are you uh, manufacturing... Oh, I'm sorry, I spoke over you there for a second. What yeah. did you say? Um, recently, recently, we expanded the manufacturing capability at DMT by about a third. Okay. Uh, are you manufacturing mostly everything, or are you outsourcing? Well, everything that we sell has our fingerprints on them. So whether it's our designs or it's um, our production, um, those items that um, uh, is low-value-added, for example, stamping of metal for us is a low-value-added step. On the other hand, if we stamp blades and then put coatings on them for scissors and knives, those are all done within our um, our, our own facilities with our own proprietary um, coatings. Um, the DMT products are all um, produced domestically in the U.S. Uh, the first aid products um, tend to be a mix of um, Asian components and uh, the U.S. assembly and final um, QC in the FDA facilities. So there's a combination. Uh -huh. And then in terms of capacity, are you capacity constrained or around what capacity are you at? Well, we're not capacity constrained. We do occasionally up, you have to increase your, your size. So, for example, our Spill Magic business in Spill Cleanup um, recently moved into a uh, facility about 50% larger than they had previously in outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And there they have excess capacity now because we expanded it. DMT we expanded by a third. Our office space, of course, as we've continued to grow, you keep running out of space. Um, so you, it's a continual um, uh, shedding of your shell for a, a, a larger carapace, and we're doing that. Okay. Is there anything unobvious uh, regarding the revenue model, or you just basically sell, get paid, sell, get paid? No, it's a very, very we have a, in some ways a simple business. We design products, produce them, and sell them. And when we get sell, sell them, we get paid, um, and there's no strange aspect to that. Um, the um, organic growth in the company has been averaging somewhere in the 3 to 5% range over the past uh, 10 years, and then that generates a lot of cash, and uh, that's what we've used for uh, supplemental acquisitions that then become integrated into the company. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, in terms of gross margins, I realize it's several, so maybe on a blended basis, roughly where are our gross margins and where should they be? Well, the gross margins tend to be in the range of um, 35%, but that's really a blend of, for example, first aid kits and then higher margin refills. Um, there's two different uh, margin profiles there. Similarly, kids' scissors have lower margins or commodity scissors have low margins, coated ones have higher margins, and that all blends. The DMT sharpeners pretty much across the board are higher-end sharpeners at higher margins. Um, but in aggregate, 345 to 35% margins is about appropriate for the uh, kinds of products that we're selling. Okay. And did I see right that, that you guys are not only paying a dividend, but you're buying your back your stock, which is quite unusual for a microcap company? Well, we throw off a lot of cash, and we um, recently did approve a uh, 200,000 share uh, buyback program uh, and that's really insurance. If there's a, uh, an opportunity to take on some shares that uh, would be an overhang in the market or the market were to uh, decline and we think it's a good value for the shareholders, then we're in a position to be able to make a market and buy them ourselves. And that would be beneficial, we believe, to our shareholders. Um, the employees um, have um, good uh, presence both with their options in the case, and in the case of some of the senior management, including me, shares that were purchased on the open market over the years. Um, we have a very strong incentive to be looking at um, building value, whether that's because there's an aberration in market price or um, because we think it's really um, uh, well positioned to grow um, using public information. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, in terms of that growth, is there any major gating factor, or, or what inhibits growing faster? The, um, there's not an, any inhibiting factor. Um, I think what the, the, the growth that we get tends to be from market share gains. There's a pace of decision-making within our customers for making a shift from one supplier to the next. Um, there are seasonal resets in the, in the um, planograms at retailers that tends to have a, a lead time. Um, and these are gating factors. Uh, the, the product families that we have or what we're selling, plus maybe some new items, but it's unlikely that we're going to be getting placement of items that we haven't produced yet. So um, in some sense, that might be a gating factor. But we really don't feel as if we've got um, barriers to uh, to the growth. Yeah. seems like uh, just a block and tackle uh, business. Uh, are there any, um, on the flip side of that, are there any key drivers for you? Well, we um, look at our competitors' product offerings regularly, and um, we're attacking aggressively where we think we have um, some growth vectors. Uh, within Amazon, um, we've recently had some uh, positive movement with private label products uh, for them, uh, as well as the 1P products, and uh, the third-party uh, marketplace we're also playing in and increasing our presence. So there's um, growth vectors within that company, within Walmart.com, uh, uh, again, uh, a, a lot of um, growth potential, the largest retailer in the world, and um, very supportive of our efforts. So these vectors are um, good because when the market is shopping there and you've got the opportunity for placement, that's a, that's a, a very strong um, uh, growth driver. Okay. And, and if we look out over this year, are there any specific uh, events or catalysts to uh to watch for? 
Well, what I would watch for is not catalysts or events. I just watch our performance um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the steady delivery of sales and earnings and cash flow and then the acquisitions that we hope will follow over the next coming years. Um, as we've looked at our plan over the next three years, we're excited with the organic growth plus the ability to add some acquisitions to them to that base. And um, we think there's operating leverage, and we think there's um, uh, a pretty good um, opportunity for excellent uh, performance. And before we go, are there any closing remarks you'd like to leave us why uh, leave us with in terms of you know why Acme is a, a good investment? Well, I think. If I were looking at investing in Acme, I'd look at the um, the ownership that uh, the employees have and the incentive that they have to be driving that business. Um, I've been a shareholder and I've bought purchased shares over in the open market for many years, and people investing with us are investing with a management team who have the same objective, I believe, as we do, which is to perform above average with risk that's manageable. And when we are able to, we increase the dividends, and so there's a chance to have some additional cash flow as you wait for the performance to uh, hopefully continue to uh, develop. Okay. Well, Walter, thanks so much for, for spending the time with us and continued success. Thank you so much.